In today's episode of the Foden Beat Show, we last-minute invited Maturin on to talk with us about some stats from the event, a bit about his fleet, and player skill versus commanders. Welcome to the Foden Beat Show, a weekly podcast about the Star Wars Armada Vassal World Cup. Hello and welcome. I'm Rythos42, and with me as always is my co-host, Armchair Jedi. Hello there. This is the last episode of the season, and we last minute invited Maturin on the show, so forgive him. If he seems unprepared at all, it's entirely my fault. Hey, Maturin, how you doing? I'm doing well, guys. Thanks for having me on the show. Uh, you're welcome. Thanks for uh, showing up and providing us with a third person to banter against as we uh, talk about Armada. Tonight, we're going to look back at the end of the Vassal World Cup 2022 and talk about some of the ups, downs, and surprises as we say goodbye for now and wrap up Season 1 of the Foden Beat Show. With that, here's Armchair with some stats and data from the event. Thank you, Rathos, and welcome to Churn. So it's all in the books now, and I've been updating my magical spreadsheet, and just want to kind of share some of the thoughts I've had looking at the data from this year's World Cup, uh, starting at the top with uh, Commanders. So when we came into the show, on the very first show when we had Biggs on board, he was, we played the guessing game about which was the most popular Commander and which Commanders is are we going to see and which are going to do well. Mark took at the outset was the most populous commander, uh, most popular commander of all, with eight people uh, bringing Martuk. And over the course of the event, did okay. You know, more than half of the Martuk fleets made it into the Swiss. One made it into the top uh, 25. Uh, same with TF1726. Seven of them showed up. One made it into the top 25, uh, 25%. So that's the top uh, 20 positions. But you know, not not as highly represented as you maybe might have thought, uh, given how many had showed up at the outset. What, what do you th- guys think about that? Like, here's this guy that is this commander that everybody thinks is the most popular, the one that is guaranteed to get them, you know, a great finish, and it just doesn't work out. What's Any thoughts on what's going on there? I, I think part of it is, you know, with Republic and Separatists, you're a little handcuffed by your, by your fleet selection, right? You've got four ships and four squadrons, and that's it. So you're only going to have so many archetypes... Um, you know, combinations available to you. And I think, I mean, if you look at the four Separatist commanders that did show up, uh, Dooku, Kraken, Martuk, and, and TF, Martuk is, is sort of maybe one of the more um, one of the more forgiving ones, one of the more, uh, or the less complicated ones. I mean, this is coming from a, a guy who hasn't flown a Martuk fleet, so take that with a grain of salt. But, you know, you, you shoot and you get extra dice, and if he has no shields, you lose a dice. And it's, it's, it's pretty easy to keep track of. And there's no moving parts to it, right? If you look at somebody like Dooku, no, I've got to strategize about raids and how do my objectives interact with my raids. If I take TF, no, I've got to have all my pieces moving at the right place at the right time with the the Bort droids going off and maximizing those um, those raid tokens and getting my extra dice and stuff. Kraken needs that kind of uh, coordination too. So at, at a guess, I mean, my guess is that you know Martuk out of the Separatist commanders. May have just been, you know, one of the ones that made it easier to deal with the, the limited resources that the Separatist fleet had. You might consider TF seventeen twenty six to be analogous to Sato and Rebel lists, where Sato is requires a lot of conditions to be in effect to get his uh, to get his uh, maximal dice use, uh, and and maybe it's just also uh, you know just a bit too complex, like you said. Um, it's an interesting point to make. Also, I mean, he's only 28 points compared to 
you know, 30 for Dukun Kraken. Nobody brought Grievous, who was 20. Trench is 36. He's one of the, the cheaper uh, Separatist admirals, too. I don't know if that played into it, um, but possible. I wonder if, if there's a squadron element to it. Uh, it was there a, a, a heavy squad presence in the top uh, in the top lists or not? Yeah, yeah. The the um, Louis Andre had a, a squad heavy fleet, but in terms of you mean in terms of the um, well, in terms of TF, uh, he he doesn't leave a lot of rooms for for squads, right? And right. so I just wonder if that was an element in uh, people doing well or not. Yeah, the 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 most squad presence was uh, six vultures. 48 points. And clearly, you know, there are, there are, there are many squadless fleets that did well, but um, I just wonder if that was a element mm-hmm. of uh, them not doing well if, if uh, TF just doesn't do well against squad-heavy fleets. And on the Republic side, Luminara finishes in 11th and, and 13th, you know, two top 15 finishes for, for Luminara and Dooley, who again has got a lot of, it, it seems like a, a more complicated choice there's a lot of moving parts to her to really take advantage of of her ability and she finished quite well yeah i played uh sackett um again in the second chance event and he was playing with a lumi fleet and i I just felt like he was very relaxed with her and he always seemed to have the right moment to bring back a token and the right moment to only need to spend one token. And it's something that, you know, at least when I've been playing Lumini, it's been felt a little bit forced at times. I think Lumi is someone who, uh, if you know how to play against her, you can mitigate her effectiveness uh, in terms of knowing who to shoot at, who not to shoot at, etc., to some degree. And uh, if people don't have a lot of practice against it, you can do very well, I think. I wonder how well she does against people who don't play the Lumi game, so to speak, as as you've as you've uh, termed it, I think, Rythos. Yeah. In one of those previous interviews. Yeah, and again, um, small squad complement, seventy five points. Bo- both fleets were identical. They had Ahsoka, Anakin, Axe, and Kickback. I think your Republic squad balls are going to look pretty similar these days because there's clearly some some squads that are very good for their value. So some combination of Axe, Anakin, etc. is is, is uh, probably going to be seen a lot these days. And then looking at um, Empire, obviously Ramadi notches up the first uh, Vassal World Cup championship of uh, for that commander. But you also got a couple old favorites making it deep. You know, Admiral Mahdi, Admiral Jer- or Moff Jerjerod, and of course uh, Grand General Tag uh, under the, the skilled command of Rold, uh, rolling into the top 25. I always appreciate commanders who aren't the hottest uh, doing well because I think it reminds people that uh, you know that there's there's a lot of possibilities in Armada and you know if you can build a fleet that leverages uh, a commander uh, in a certain way that people haven't seen before or aren't expecting, uh, you can do really well with that. Absolutely, I mean, that's how that's how metas are shifted, right? By by somebody discovering just that you know that little new nuance or a new trick or a new way of doing things, and then everybody else takes notice. And I'm I don't know that um, you know as 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 great as Rold did this World Cup. I don't know that this is going to trigger a renaissance for the for Grand General Tag. But I hope to see him around a lot more. I hope to see more people playing around with him, and uh, maybe his buddy Constantine too. <laughs> At the end of the day, it's the it's a commander. You can put Sam's rock hard list in my hands, and I'm not going to do as well as Sam with my arguably not so great list. You know, the 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 the, the admiral is, is is the person pushing the plastic is is really the the big part of it, but the admirals just simply are one way 
to easily talk about lists and categorize it and, and you know, make sense of what's going on. But it's it's a fun way to do it, too, and easily understandable. So, so I... And I'm not I'm not above being a little bit sensational about uh, about tag and hope of getting more people to try tag and maybe tag actually you know maybe somebody figures out maybe mainstreams things like tag and like like Leia and and good God even maybe Constantine maybe who knows I'll bet more people would play them if uh, you pronounced it taggy <laughs> they might <laughs> I don't know taggy little taggy um, another one on that and you know is uh, Lumi in eleventh mm. and thirteenth here and. You know, I actually didn't expect to see too many of the Republic a little higher. I just don't don't think they've got enough tools to compete with uh, some of the the big boys. Um, and so the fact that Lumi came up a little bit is uh, maybe it's a little bit to your point, James, that good people can can play even without those tools. But you know, it, it does say something that presumably two relatively good people thought that Lumi would give them a good chance at the title. And like, and the people, the people playing Republic. I mean, you know, you've got Vimes, Duckbird, Maturin, Cadet VW, uh, Protomakers in there, Ferminders in there, Geeks in there, some guy named Rathos is in there, uh, Backseat Admiral. So there's there's a big range of, of skill levels, you know, with uh, people like Vimes and, and Duckbird, Maturin, who finished in the top twenty, and then you know, they, I mean, this Rathos person, for example, who finished a little bit farther down the down the ladder. Womp womp. womp womp. What did you finish, Maturin? 20 or 21, something 20th. like that? I can't remember. 20th. 20th. Was I 20th? Yep. Okay. Yep, 20th. you're 20th. I thought, I think your story is really interesting. And we, we didn't get you on the show because we had a bunch of other people uh, we wanted to talk to. And you're a local guy that we talk to semi-regularly. But I love that you had this really interesting, like, almost jank off-meta fleet that you've been practicing. And, and it felt like it was your fleet. And then to see you do so well with it was really, it was really heartening. Well, it it is my fleet in a sense, but certainly my it, it was inspired by very many other people in the community. And uh, so elements of it, uh, you know, it started out as a fleet with that was uh, just prox mines jank. And uh, and I just stuffed a whole bunch of proximity mines in, with peltas into a list and, and some squadrons and played around with it and, hey, and said, hey, this is kind of fun. And, and I kind of did something. Uh, which I didn't expect, which was to help influence the opponent's deployment and sort of let them exist where I wanted them to be, if that makes any sense. It encourages people to deploy in certain zones, which just, it just happened to come together in this fleet. And so I started tweaking it, as I usually do. My, my fleets tend to evolve over a period of weeks or months as I iterate and tweak and play more games and figure out what it is that works and what doesn't and get some input from friends. And I really liked where it's where it's ended up. Now the, you know, I've I've evolved the fleet a little bit more since since Vassal World Cup because there were a couple of things that um, I ended up deciding weren't as useful. Uh, like Adigalia, I've replaced with Clone Captain Silver, which has been fantastic. So I'll I'll continue to tweak it um, uh, and uh, and have fun with it. But uh, yeah, it's it's certainly a fleet that when when other people look at it they're like how does this work and and so i think it really speaks to the art of creating a fleet in armada and playing it well like certain fleets tend to want to be flown certain ways in order to be successful and so that's i think that's why netlisting hasn't ever really been that successful in armada because to to understand a fleet you really have to understand how it operates where the synergies are, and how it wants to fly as a cohesive whole. And that's not something you can pick up necessarily by just looking at a fleet. And even if you do, you have to practice with it. So if you look at Sam's 
winning list. You know, people have already started to, uh, well, for a while now, take variations of it. But if you look at the results, no one's been really dominating with it because it is a tricky fleet to fly and it requires a thorough understanding of what the mechanics are. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. So that's why I've always loved coming up with a fleet myself, playing it, failing over and over again, learning what I need to do with it. And, and sometimes it's just a trash fleet and you just dump it. But sometimes <laughs> you, there's, there's, there's little glimmers of, of potential. And you, so you just have to iterate it and tweak it and fly it until you figure out a way to fly it successfully. And so that's, that's one of the things I love about Armada is, is just um, this, this discovery of, of what you can do with a fleet. That's my real pr- problem, is I'm not putting enough time in. I, I get to a fleet, and I play it like six times, and then I'm like, I'm going to try something entirely different. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, I, I tend to wait too long before um, before the next event, and then it's almost upon you, and it's like, oh, what am I going to do? Oh, this is a cool idea. Oh, let's try that. And we, we, we see how that goes. And that's where, uh, who was it? Somebody said uh, experimental fleets. Was it mm-hmm. Andre? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, there's a place for that too, though. You don't want to be stuck playing one fleet the whole time. I mean, some people get very good at that, and that's that's absolutely legitimate. But you know, you want to experiment and try new things, and and so it's a balance of trying the old and and, and or, I mean, refining the old versus uh, playing the new and getting inspired and keeping your interest in uh, what's out there. So like, I'm just looking at your your pod trip, and and I think your first game was against LTD, wasn't it? And it was a bit of a bit of a hiccup for you. <laughs> LTD is is uh, we are we are matched up in virtually every tournament uh, that we play together, and we've been playing against each other for a long time. Uh, yeah, and he he flies really well, and I don't think I fully understood how to fly my fleet necessarily at that time. Um, so yeah, it was uh, uh, it was a so so outcome, but I think we had fun flying the fleet together. Did you have a chance to test playing? Because you swapped out that you swapped in the clam from a bunch of peltas that you were playing before. Did you have a chance to test out that clam swap before you got into the pod phase? A few times, a few times, and I really liked how it how it performed because Novota B is is a great title. But I think I had not yet figured out how best to how best to deploy and navigate with it uh, in order to keep it out of trouble. And that game, um, basically, that my, my fleet flies well when it when it flies the way it wants to. LTD disrupted my plans in deployment and got me to basically deploy out of position, and it just went downhill from there. And I was like, I this was a great learning lesson in reinforcing that I have to fly this fleet the way the fleet wants to be flown. And if I deviate from the plan, uh, the potential for disaster is tremendous. Actually sounds like a watchword for the entire Republic fleet. (laughs) (laughs) That's not not untrue. Yeah, well, you you wound up with a nice rebound game against Armchair Jedi, so that kind of put you back into the hunt, and then uh, another win over Cylindrical Bobcat to get into the Swiss. Both of which were were you know very tense games, uh, <laughs> regardless of the of the scores. It was certainly tense for me. <laughs> Aside from that nine two against LTD in the first match, though, I mean you know you had a six five in the final game of the Swiss, but it was a two MOV. I mean you you could you could make an argument that you went undefeated after that first game. I mean two MOV one side or the other is you, you sneeze and it's gone kind of thing. You you did uh, six seven six five in the in the Swiss for. Obviously, a, a good result in the end. Yeah, well, you can argue that a 6-5 is really a draw. Yeah. But 
I, I, I admit, yes, I, I squeaked into the final. Uh, I, I don't know that I deserved to be in the Swiss uh, because it was such a close uh, race in our pod. But, you know, I'll take what I can get. <laughs> yeah, more and, modern is more better. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was a very close game. And, and several of my games, uh, both in the pod and in Swiss, were very close because of errors, maybe that I did, or maybe because of great dice luck uh, on my opponent's part. I remember my multi, uh, my mercy mission being shot out from under me in the last turn at least twice, I think, uh, <laughs> changing a, a big win into a narrow draw or, or a loss. Uh, so, so you know, those are the things that make uh, Armada fun, great epic moments like that. And even though my heart falls a little bit, I always laugh because it's it's so epic. It's it's just fantastic. And then up on the on the rebel side, um, General Kraken continues to be consistent for over the past two years. You know, he made it all the way into the eliminations last year. I think Truthiness had a, a Kraken fleet this year with no rebels in the eliminations, but two Kraken fleets in the top eight. And there were only there were only three rebel fleets in the top eight to begin with. The the third one was uh, Agate. People like going fast, I guess. Uh, I think the Kraken is is great because he really reduces the uh, incoming firepower with Salvo, uh, and Salvo is uh, is is really such a huge game changer in uh, uh, in Armada. People have, I think, come to rely on that extra bit of firepower. So when your Salvo is is nerfed in a in a way that you know you're not usually expecting. Uh, it probably gives you just that little bit of an advantage uh, to survive and and uh, play your game instead of the opponent's. And I imagine all those Kraken fleets had some form of MC30s, one or more, two or more, uh, with Foresight on them. Uh, so they're already pretty tanky. A couple of Foresight, one of them, uh, Garrett, finished seventh overall. He had CR90A, A, A, GR95, GR95, and a whole bunch of squads. 133 of squads. Whoa. Certainly Rebel Rogue Balls are uh, very strong, as they have always been. So that's, you know, if, if you don't have to command your squads and you can just keep navigating, uh, then it's a great it's a great pairing. Uh, and Rebel Rogues with, with Hera uh, are just, uh, they're just always solid. I'm looking forward to a Republic squad pack with a strategic and a, Reb, and a rogue squad in it. Oh, yeah. Not necessarily on the same squad pack. <laughs> you know, that would be, that would be greedy. <laughs> exactly. But there's been a bunch of times recently where I've been building a fleet and... You know, just have being able to put, being able to put mm-hmm. a strategic squad into it would change the objective choices that I have. Oh, of course, yeah, it, it's a handicap. I mean, it doesn't. I don't. I don't know that it comes up super often, but the fact that it can come up and you can face somebody who does have, you know, that strategic objective build, and then you're like, okay, well, what do I do about this? You know, being able to sucker them into to, to taking, um, you know, capture the VIP, and then you pop it on your your consular and zoom off into the sunset. You know, that'd be awesome. As you said, armchair, you know, opening up the options for CIS and for the Republic uh, would just, uh, I think, uh, breathe you know new life into those factions. Um, people are doing well with them, but uh, with more options, I'm confident that uh, they can do better. Uh, we, we know AMG follows this show closely, so I'm, I know they're taking our advice uh, to heart. <laughs> if, they, if they do, I'm embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of squadrons, though. It seems like the the rule of thumb is go big or don't bother going. In the eliminations, there were two zero squad fleets, and there was uh, a fleet with like a full squadron complement. In the top uh, the top eight fleets, you had evenly split. There's three with zero, three with max, and then 
one here and one there with, with a little bit less, but uh, it definitely seems to skew towards the top or the bottom. And that's more pronounced when you look at the at it factionally in the on the rebel side in the top uh, the top twenty. There's five fleets, at least five fleets with over a hundred squadrons in them, uh, squadron points. On the empire side, it skew, tends to skew more towards the down uh, to the bottom, towards uh, having zero squadron points. That's an it's an interesting trend because and and it's one I'm perhaps a little bit worried about. Uh, you know, over the years, Armada has swung back and forth um, between the argument of oh, squadrons are overpowered uh, versus no, you should go all ships. Uh, and and I and I've been rather enjoying the return of medium-sized squadron components to the game uh, and and seeing that bit of variety in there. So I hope that this doesn't you know, send us back to the days of, of 134 or nothing. Uh, so we'll just keep watching other tournaments and see uh, how the results uh, come out. But uh, but it is it is uh, an interesting thing to point out. Yeah, that, that middle range overall, um, you know, was, was shut out of the top eight. Um, but lots, I mean, when you look at the, the starting positions, you know, what, what do people bring in those 81 fleets at the outset? 25 29 out of the out of the 81 fleets had somewhere between 40 and 100 squad points so there's lots of variety and lots of lots of experimentation and i'm i'm sure there's no small amount of those are those um cis and republic players who are just trying to do the best with what they got and those um you know those those acts kickback anakin ahsoka compliments and like like Rathos said too, the 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 lack of rogues, lack of strategic. You know, when when those pieces arrive, I'm sure we'll see a sort of a, a bloom of of uh, civil or sorry, Clone War faction squad choices. I wonder if there are any good examples of medium squadron coverage uh, in the Swiss phase. Um, for myself, I've been I was taking note of Forminder because I've been trying to kind of make a variation of his fleet work. Uh, he came in 35th, and he had, I think, 109 points in squads. I wonder if you guys can think of anybody else that fills in that spot. So, so interestingly, um, 75 points will get you Ahsoka, Anakin, Axe, and Kickback. Well, there you go. Yeah. That's that's the medium squad coverage. That's 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 a four ace medium squad coverage for the uh, for Republic. So people in that squad range placed anywhere between tenth and seventy sixth. So it's it's kind of hard to eyeball like that. Who's the the tenth person there? In tenth place was unskilled first officer with his Admiral Ozil list. But also in, in included in that in that grouping are both Lumi players at eleventh uh, and thirteenth. There's Rimson with a Bale fleet at 30th. There's Docta with an Admiral Ozil Onager fleet at 32nd. I feel like that's enough people in, let's say, like the top 25 that took uh, something resembling a medium squad coverage to say that even though it, you just said it's all or nothing, you know, there is legs on a medium squad coverage. Here. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. It's definitely a vibe. And and I th- but part of it, I mean, you gotta you gotta you gotta take that into account that. You know, of the four that finished in the top 30, say three of them are Republic and two of them took that four ace ball. So actually, sorry, three of them took a four ace ball. Uh, one of them did not take Axe. They took a, a, a basic V19 instead. But so that those three Republic players, they basically took the same same squad ball. So yeah, again, you know, yeah, there's some there's some usefulness to it. There's definitely some some beef in that. And I don't remember if it was one of those players um, who had that game where 
Oh man, who was it? I can't remember the matchup now, but somebody threw a whole bunch of uh, fire sprays at Ahsoka. And between Ahsoka and Axe and all the counter and the dodge, um, basically Ahsoka ended up dying eventually, but I think she took down like six out of eight fire sprays or, or you know, five out of seven or something ridiculous like that and left a couple more with just a handful of health left. It was it was just a bloodbath coming after Ahsoka and Axe. Yeah, it was Black Admiral versus Vimes. Yes, yes. Yeah. So I mean there's your 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 seventy five or yeah, your seventy five point squad ball taking down sixteen point um fire sprays. Now and you know, you gotta you gotta, you gotta factor in good rolls and stuff into that too sometimes and flack and so on, but you know, that 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 particular squad ball, at least you can say, Yeah, that that's that's some beef. Why don't we wrap this up? Do you guys anything else you guys want to talk about before we do that? I wanted to to just make a quick mention around deployments um, and, and activations because we kind of have this this kind of metric in mind. I think when we when we deploy when we design fleets, you know, you want to have somewhere around. I think I know. What, what would you guys have? I'm like my, in my head, it's usually like five activations and like eight deployments is a good ratio. Yeah, that's. I think that's what I'm running right now. Seven to eight deployments, I think, is is well, yes, six to eight deployments. I would say is fairly average, and four to five activations. There's some three activation fleets, especially with with Republic. But yeah, I would say three to five is the the number of activations has definitely trended downwards as the new um, factions come into uh, came into to play, uh, simply because of the fact that they don't have flotillas. Yeah, like last year, for example, the the bulk of the activations was in the the three four five range. Um, the bulk of the deployments was in the in the six seven eight. This year, it's still six seven eight, and and six seven eight has done pretty well. I mean, it, it, the eliminations had two uh, seven deployment fleets and a, a four and a five. But even if you look back at like the at the top twenty players, there's an eight deployment and seven deployment were the were the most populous as lo- along with four. So there's kind of like a you know a top and bottom there to it. But when you look down at at activations again. Like you said, three, four, five is the the thick part of that bell curve, and the the eliminations had two with three activations, one with four, one with five. I mean, what does this say about? I mean, we we had that one fleet of um oh what is why can't I think of names? Today? Was it Plausian who had the all the hammerheads? Yep. And and man, I wanted that thing to do well because that was just a crazy, crazy, crazy fleet. But uh, he had nine nine activations in that fleet. But I mean, MSU, you know, you've got. Uh, five activations, but but more than that, you really seem to have limited returns. Yeah, it uh, again, I think it comes down to understanding. You know, the theme of of what we've been talking about today is is really understanding. You know, the 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 strengths and weaknesses of your fleet. Uh, and you know, e- even if you're out activated, you have to have a plan on how to fly the fleet when you're out activated. Or if, conversely, if you have a lot of activations, you have to have a plan on how to leverage that activation uh, advantage. And I guess I guess part of that too is is bid. We've seen bids at previous uh, World Cups get way down there. I think there were people in previous years having you know around the 380, um, you know, like a like a close to a 20 point bid. This World Cup, there was one person kind of down in that range. Uh, I can't remember what their exact bid was, but by and large, people had five points or less. And so is that is that bid for first that that sort of play to to always get your your choices, you know, is that taking a backseat now more towards, um, you know, just just building your fleet out as best you can? I think it, it speaks to um, 
a lot more people being comfortable with being second player or even preferring second player. Uh, I know that um, I never had uh, the choice of first or second player, I think, uh, in my games during the during the World Cup, uh, and, which I frankly enjoyed because I didn't care one way or the other. But several times, people chose to go second. I would say in maybe somewhere between a third to half of the games, uh, people wanted to be second player. And, uh, and that's something that uh, has definitely shifted in the last couple of years. Uh, and, and I think it's great. Uh, it encourages a lot more objective play, and we're seeing a lot of um, different objectives. I think. Yeah, and I wish I had a better picture of, of objectives, but I'm still missing a bit of data from the, um, the Swiss phase as, as far as what was actually played, as well as the, the full fleet list. So I'm not sure what people chose versus what was actually played. And I'd like to kind of take a look at that. Um, once I have all the data and, and just see what, what interesting tidbits might be there, you know, like if you have this combination of, of objectives and you choose to go for, or choose to go second, what are people are, what are people choosing kind of thing? Cause I know in, in, when I'm building a list, I tend to wind up with, you know, like, oh man, if, if they choose my opening salvo, it's going to be awesome. And if they choose my, uh, you know, my, my doom station or, or my whatever, you know, my, my blue, it's going to be great. Um, which means they're going to choose my, my asteroid tactics. Or they're going to choose my, my 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 weak yellow kind of thing. So I'm kind of wondering what those what what the combinations are. I'd be curious to know when you do that analysis. Um, often people talk about uh, when when you when you want to be second player. Often it's the red objective that is the least good for the second player, simply because you don't tend to have as many high scoring objectives, uh, or uh, you tend to have objectives that could potentially be flipped back on you strike or advanced gunnery. Uh, so it'd be interesting to see if second players tend to play their red objective because that's what their opponent chooses uh, or and, and if they tend to do well, uh, if that's the case. Right. Okay. Yeah. 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 I'll, I'll try to track a lot down and, and see what we can, we can figure out and maybe we can, yeah, maybe we can work that out into the data somehow. I am going to, you know, share this spreadsheet out to the world um, like I did with last year's. So if anybody else wants to take a look at it and, and draw some conclusions and maybe spark some conversation or some ideas um, or just, you know, find that spot where I screwed up the formulas and let me know so I can fix it. That'd be great. <laughs> there there's, it's not an Easter egg. It's just, I screwed up. So. <laughs> well, thank you for collecting this huge amount of data. It's, it's fascinating. Yeah, no, on, honestly, it's, it's fun. Honestly, it's, it's a lot of fun to, to for me in a, in a kind of a sick twisted way to kind of do all the, all the data entry and, and play with the, the spreadsheets and kind of, you know, make the graphs and stuff like that. I don't, I don't consider myself a data scientist by any stretch, but, um, but I definitely like playing with it. And I keep telling, I told myself last year that I was going to actually develop this into like a proper database. And I know um, there are people on the TTS side who have done a lot of work on on that. And I I keep telling myself, I'm going to, you know, this is going to be the year where I'm going to like tie it all together. Maybe this year. (laughs) I'm telling you this, this spreadsheet's getting a little bit clunky to, to, to maintain. So I'm definitely motivated. Let's finish off with a big thanks to our guests for this season. Uh, we had Biggs, Fox Omega, Docta, Ploistian, In Rob We Trust, Paul, Cahoon M, The Real Neil 99, Louis Andre, Sam, and lastly, big thanks to Maturin for coming on super last minute. Thanks for having me, guys. I uh, hesitate uh, to be compared with the rest of your illustrious guests. I'm just a mediocre player who loves the game and likes to hang out with you guys. So thanks for having me. Top 20 Vassal World Cup. <laughs> That's all for tonight. Thanks everyone for listening. And we'll catch you all later and on Discord. I'm Rythos42. And I'm Armchair Jedi. And may the Force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. May the Force be with you. 
Thanks for listening to The Food and Beat Show. We don't have a Patreon or Apple reviews for you to give us, but if you have a story you'd like to tell us or feedback on the podcast, write us at foodandbeatarmada at gmail.com or on Discord. Listen to us next week for more Facile World Cup commentary.